Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Pandas of the People podcast. I am your host, Justin, and today we've got our first real episode with actual football content, which I'm very happy about. We are going to be discussing my power rankings as of today, July 14th, and I'm also going to provide one player that I think is flying a little bit under the radar for each of those 32 NFL teams. And I'm saying specifically as of the 14th, because by the time I upload this, which is probably going to be in a day or so, who knows what's going to happen. Maybe Tom Brady comes out and says, hey, I was just kidding about unretiring. I like that stuff better. Maybe something like that happens. Major changes could happen. Um, but as of right now, I've got the 32 teams ranked, and I've got one player who I think is flying under the radar a little bit. That doesn't necessarily mean that I think that they're underrated, per se, or I think that they're primed for a massive season. Some of those players, I think, are primed for big seasons. But these are players really just to keep an eye on, people that aren't being spoken enough about, even though they should be spoken about more for one reason or another. So I'm going to go from the worst team to the best team. And at number 32, I have got the Chicago Bears. And I think that this really comes down to the fact that even though the defense does have some nice pieces, obviously Eddie Jackson, even if he's not quite what he used to be, Robert Quinn is still doing very well. Who knows if he's even going to stay on the team. Roquan Smith might be the best player on the team. He is excellent. But the offense is a complete and total mess. Justin Fields is someone who has a ton of potential to be an excellent NFL quarterback. And while Darnell Mooney would be a, a, a solid second option on a team, maybe you could make that argument, for a quarterback entering a second year, for him to be the unquestioned number one, with guys like Vilas Jones, a 25-year-old rookie, being really one of your only other main options, I believe they also have Equinemius St. Brown this season, which is, I mean, that's your wide receiver three for your rookie? Not your rookie, but, I mean, for all intents and purposes, he is a rookie because Matt Nagy did such a terrible job surrounding him with a good scheme, a good a good offense, and that also falls a lot on Ryan Pace for not putting a very good roster around him. But Ryan Poles, I know he is sort of preparing for the future, but he has done a really poor job surrounding Justin Fields in every way. The offensive line is not good. It is such a mess on offense that there's no way— in my opinion, for them to be anything other than number 32. And my player who is fr- flying under the radar a little bit is Tevin Jenkins. And Tevin Jenkins, he played tackle at Oklahoma State. He was drafted as a right tackle. He's going to be playing left tackle this season. And he did have an injury-riddled season. He did have some back issues. And he's really not being spoken about much at all. I mean, he should be spoken about more as the guy who's going to be the left tackle for the Chicago Bears next season, but he had these injury issues, so he really didn't play. He is such a nasty player, obviously, in a good way. He brings this tenacity that not many other offensive linemen bring, and hopefully he can help add to this aggressive identity for the Chicago Bears, and I think that he is primed for a very, for a very big year. I think that people should be speaking about him more than they are. So, after that mess of a team, we are going to number 31, who I suppose they are a little bit better, 
in the Atlanta Falcons, and they have some super talented players. The way that their team is structured, it's very interesting. You've got some superstars like Kyle Pitts. I mean, he's going to be a monster this year. Grady Jarrett is one of the best defensive tackles in the NFL. A.J. Terrell, you can argue after last year, is the single best cornerback in the NFL. He was that good last year. And the defense, although it's not quite what it was a few years ago, it's still decent, but the depth is not there around much of the team. And it does not seem that neither Mariota nor Ritter, Marcus Mariota nor Desmond Ritter, the two quarterbacks that they have really competing, doesn't seem that either of them will have a chance to stabilize the quarterback position because, frankly, Mariota has not proven to be someone who can add that stability. And Ritter is a third-round rookie. He's not going to do much this year. This is a rebuilding year, so it's not as if we should be expecting them to be contenders. But the way that they are right now, they're the 30, they're the 31st best team in the NFL. They are not good. And my player flying under the radar is Frank Darby, someone that they drafted last year out of Arizona State. And this is a guy who might not even make the roster. He is really going to be fighting for a roster spot. But if he does make the team... He is somebody that I think we should all look out for because he has really excellent, excellent deep speed that he showed off at Arizona State, and he has a really great ability to track the football. And if he does make the team, he could be someone who has a decent impact because this is a team filled with big receivers for the most part. I mean, it's, you know, Drake London is a gigantic receiver, Kyle Pitts, obviously, and you have a number of other guys. They just traded for Brian Edwards a few weeks ago on the Raider, from the Raiders, who was a very, very tall wide receiver. Someone like Darby, who is very fast. I mean, they do have one other guy like that, um, Zacchaeus. But outside of that, you need depth, and you need some speed out of that depth, someone who could also play special teams, someone like that. And Frank Darby, I'm not saying he does make the team, because that's not even a guarantee. But if he does, I think that he could make a sneaky impact next year. So moving on to number 30, I've got the Houston Texans, and they are still a bit of a mess, certainly. After the Deshaun Watson situation, the team really blew up. It is not a very good roster, but Nick Casario, he did do a decent job last year of filling the team up with veteran players on one-year, two-year deals that would at least make them competitive. They would at least have a fighting chance in each game. And they are going to be in a similar situation this season. Davis Mills did surprise a lot of people with his play at quarterback last year, third-round pick. He was a really highly touted recruit going into his freshman season at Stanford, but he had so many issues with injuries, particularly to his knees, And that is something that obviously caused him to fall because he didn't play many games at Stanford, and he really, really shined in the moments that he did have. And I think that someone else who's going to shine on this Texans team, I think that he's someone that people should be speaking more about, was a rookie last year, just like Davis Mills. It's Nico Collins, receiver out of Michigan, 6'4", really, you know, obviously big-bodied receiver, 6'4". He put up about 450 yards last year. And he's not being spoken about. I mean, Brandon Cooks is someone who people always 
referred to as someone who is perpetually underrated, someone who is not spoken enough about. But at this point, he is starting to get that deserved recognition as a guy who puts in 1,000 yards year in and year out. But Nico Collins had a surprisingly good year last year, and he is primed for an even bigger role. Because really, who else is there outside of Brandon Cooks? John Mechie, he's coming off the ACL, and he's also a rookie. So Nico Collins should have a big role, and people need to be speaking about him more. He is someone who could absolutely turn heads this year in Houston. So that's number 30. At 29, I have got the New York Football Giants. And here's the thing with them. They had such a gigantic mess that Dave Gettleman left. They were terrible in a terrible, terrible, terrible situation in terms of cap, the roster, the coaching as well under Joe Judge was not up to par. And Brian Dayball and Joe Shane, their regime, they are looking to clean things up. And it seems like they are off to a very, very good start. Both of them coming down from Buffalo, obviously. And it it does seem like they're doing things the right way. They made a big splash in the draft, two big splashes with Evan Neal and Kayvon Thibodeau. Um, but this still is not a roster that is going to be very competitive because Dave Gettleman left it in such a bad spot that they simply don't have the talent right now. They had to get rid of so many players who were just on awful contracts, and many of those players with awful contracts are still on the team, and they simply cannot get out of those contracts because they're so horrific, especially with the guaranteed money on them. Really terrible situation, but it seems like they are doing a good job of trying to wiggle out of that. Um, the big storyline, the big thing for them going into the season is making a decision on Daniel Jones because they did decline the fifth-year option, so they have to see what is going to happen with that. They have to see how he plays because he is going to be a free agent next season, and they have to determine, is he the guy? Is he the franchise quarterback? They need to make that decision based on how they evaluate him, and someone who is flying under the radar I would say, is Tay Crowder. And if you are a Giants fan listening to this, you might say, well, he's not too great. And he's not an excellent player by any means. But this was a guy, Mr. Irrelevant in 2020, final pick of the draft. And in two seasons, he's had 187 tackles, which is not an unimpressive feat. That is a a lot, especially for the final pick in the draft two years ago. And coming out of Georgia, he was a semifinalist for the Buckus Award. So... He did have a somewhat successful college career, and he hasn't been a revelation of any sort on the field, per se, in the NFL. But still, he's a really, really athletic guy, and he has proven capable of holding up on an NFL field. He can hold his own, and that is something that is very, very impressive. And people should be speaking about that more, I believe. Mr. Irrelevant doing this on the field, I think that that is something that should be spoken about more. And good for Tay Crowder. Good for him. He got his uh, parade that all the Mr. Relevance get after they're drafted. And now he's having what seems like a successful NFL career. So good for him, and I think that he is someone that should be spoken about more. And for number 28, I think it is kind of crazy that I'm putting them this low, but the Seattle Seahawks are not the Seahawks of old, to say the least. Obviously, they made very big headlines, as they should have, when they traded Russell Wilson, and they didn't make another move for a quarterback, which sort of puzzles me, because Baker just got traded to Carolina, and they're stuck with Geno Smith and Drew Locke, which I love Geno as a, as a Jet fan. I love Geno. 
Um, but I'm not going to be biased here and say that he's the answer. He's most certainly not the answer in Seattle, and Drew Locke probably isn't either. And this is a team that has been killed by bad draft decisions by John Schneider. They obviously did, did have a lot of success, Schneider and Pete Carroll. They won a Super Bowl. They've been to a couple. But the recent draft misses have been atrocious. I mean, LJ Collier was a bad pick. Rashad Penny was a bad pick. He was productive at the end of last year, but it was simply not good value, and he was really bad his first few years in the league. He just couldn't stay healthy, and he was not productive. He couldn't climb up the depth depth chart, so they have really mismanaged this roster, and I honestly don't foresee Pete Carroll being there much longer because he's getting up there in age. He either wants to win or retire in my mind. He doesn't want to stick around for a rebuild. So I don't see him being there for much longer, but this is not a competitive team. Um, But one hit that Schneider did have in the draft, and this is one that a lot of people really panned when it first happened, was Jordan Brooks, because they took him out of Texas Tech, and many people would say that he was misused as in his final year of college football. That's what a lot of people are saying. Looking back on why people said that it was a bad pick in the first place but his penultimate year of college football he was excellent and the general public they really panned the pick because Patrick Queen who had an awesome season on that championship LSU team he was still on the board and he came off with the next pick when the Ravens took him and I think if you ask people now who's the better linebacker the vast majority would say Jordan Brooks because he has turned into one of the best linebackers in the NFL. He's really special blitzing. He's very solid against the run and he still has some work to do in coverage. You know, some issues really diagnosing certain things, some technical issues, but he is still at least competent in that regard. But this was a pick that people really hated when it was first made, but he has turned into one of the better players at the linebacker position in the NFL. And people really are not speaking enough about that because many people, the common fan, they might still have this negative perception of him because, you know, at the time in the draft, it was seen as really poor value. You know, people were saying he was going to go in the late second, early third. But he hasn't, in all honesty, really blown by expectations. And not enough people are speaking about that. So Jordan Brooks, that's my player for the number 28 Seattle Seahawks. Number 27, the Carolina Panthers and... They're lucky because they got Baker Mayfield for pennies on the dollar. And if they did not make that move, they would be a lot lower than even 27 in these rankings. And they do have, you know, a fun young defense. Back in 2020, they spent every single pick on the defense, which was pretty fun, actually, to watch. Every single draft pick was defensive. Um, So that, that side of the ball is fun. And there are some nice skill position pieces, you know. DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Terrace Marshall wasn't great last year, but he is still someone who look has he has a lot of potential. He's he's on the up and coming. And Christian McCaffrey, if he's healthy, he's electric. But there is a significant amount of instability in the organization. And Matt Rule, he is on the hot seat. He is absolutely fighting for his job. A lot of things can go wrong in this again. If the roster were perfect, this team would be higher. So I'm not saying those are the only issues. The roster is not great either. There's not a lot of depth, but they do 
have a lot of depth at the cornerback position with, you know, Dante Jackson and J.C. Horn starting. But someone who is flying under the radar is C.J. Henderson. And he's not going to start. They have Melvin starting in the slot. So he's not going to start there. And obviously with the two guys I just named before that, he's not going to be starting outside. But he was the ninth overall pick just two years ago. Traded for not very much after he fell out of favor in Jacksonville with Urban Meyer, which, I mean, that might have been a mistake because Urban Meyer isn't there anymore either, as we all know. Um, But he fell out of favor there, and he's not going to start, and he is still a work in progress, especially when it comes to tackling, because that is something that he has been really poor at going back to his days at Florida. But he is someone who is very, very talented in coverage, and he could bring his stock back up with a solid season, especially if one of those guys gets hurt, if J.C. Horn, who was excellent last year, if he does get hurt again, if he has another injury issue, C.J. Henderson could come in and he could prove a lot of people wrong. So people should be speaking about him more. Again, ninth overall pick very, very recently. So he's not a lost cause, exactly. And that's the Carolina Panthers, number 27. Number 26, the Cleveland Browns. And you might be thinking, how could they possibly be 26? Their roster is excellent. Andrew Barry has done a very good job putting together most of this roster, except for the quarterback position. And in my personal opinion, I mean, this isn't something I'm really going to focus on much because I really want to get to the other teams and focus on their rosters. But in my personal opinion, what the Cleveland Browns did was shameful, to put it mildly, I think it's disgusting that they would give over $200 million guaranteed to Deshaun Watson with the ongoing situation. It's it's sickening, and I think that they really messed up. So good luck this year, assuming Deshaun gets suspended for a while. Good luck with Jacoby Brissett and Josh Dobbs as your quarterback, as your quarterbacks. Um... It's, it's not going to be good in Cleveland this year. And I think that someone who is flying under the radar on the other side of the ball is Greg Newsome. First round pick at corner last year at a Northwestern. Really, really, really sneaky good year. He was someone who rose up draft boards pretty quickly towards the draft, uh, right before the draft last year. And he did end up going in the first round and he had a really nice rookie year. And he looks like he could become a legitimate star. So him and Denzel Ward could become one of the better corner, excuse me, not better, one of the best, period, corner duos in the NFL because he looks like he could be a legitimate star, and Denzel Ward already is. So people should really be speaking about Greg Newsom more because he has the potential to possibly take an A.J. Terrell-like leap in his second year. So on to 25, I I really don't want to speak about Cleveland much because it's it's sickening and If you're a Browns fan listening to this, from the bottom of my heart, I am sorry that you have to deal with that. But number 25, we've got the Washington Commanders, and they did invest a ton into their skill positions on offense. They have a lot of weapons for their quarterback, and they also have obviously invested a lot into the defensive line in recent years. But the secondary is issues, and the quarterback who will be throwing to those skill position players like Terry McLaurin, like... Logan Thomas, who they just gave a good amount of money. Carson Wentz is not exactly the best quarterback there is right now. 
And he did have that one MV- – he should have won MVP. If he stayed healthy, he would have been the MVP. But he did have that one year. But now he's entering year seven, and he has been not good the past two years, to put it mildly. He has been really bad, and to expect him to make this leap in year seven, for him to return this late in his career, for him to return to what he was once, that is probably pushing it. So it's going to be really tough for them to work around that to actually become a competitive team. Um, But hopefully, with guys like Diami Brown who is my under-the-radar player, the Washington Commanders could actually make some noise because if Carson Wentz is surrounded by guys like Diami who make leaps, they could be a potent offense because Diami is someone who is severely, severely underrated. He's not spoken about at all. He's very overlooked. He was a third-rounder last year. He was a real deep threat at UNC. Um, He does have issues really attacking the football, being aggressive, in some of the ways that a guy like Terry McLaurin is. But if he can learn from him and he could be like that, he could possibly climb up the depth chart because he is buried right now. But he could possibly climb up if he fixes these issues. And he did flash last year. And he has a lot of talent. It's it's obvious that he does, but he needs to climb up the depth chart. And people have really forgotten about him, even though he was just a third-round pick just a year ago. And he was awesome in college. So... He is not someone who should be overlooked. So those are the Washington Commanders. At number 24, I did not think that they would be this high going into it, but the Jacksonville Jaguars are the number 24 team, in my opinion. Now, they did spend a lot of money this offseason, which is not a good thing, in my opinion, long term. You look at teams who have done something like the Jacksonville Jaguars did this offseason, And it often does not pay off in the way that the team would like for it to because they are going to be in a really poor cap situation sooner rather than later. But there should be an immediate improvement in results for this season at least, not really going forward. But for this season, they should be better with these big free agent additions like Foyasadi Alukun, who they just signed to a big deal, Uh, Christian Kirk, who they signed to a massive deal, and that really shifted the wide receiver market for the the worse arguably at least for these teams because they overpaid by so much because they're just throwing away money but there is that instant infusion of talent that will help them this year and also they they've obviously been I, I think you could say without question the most unstable organization in football Urban Meyer was arguably the worst head coach in the history of the National Football League But Doug Peterson is a guy who's going to bring in some stability. I think that that was an excellent hire. He's going to bring in this much-needed stability. And they do have a surprising amount of talent. You know, as I mentioned, if you do look over the roster, especially with these guys that they brought in in free agency, they've got a possible superstar in Trevor Lawrence at quarterback. This is a team that they're not going to be a real contender, but I think that they will surprise some people with their competitiveness at the very least. And the player that I think is flying under the radar on their team is LaVisca Chenault. He was a relatively high pick a few years ago, but he has become a bit of, of a forgotten man on that offense. He does have some issues with his hands, with his route running, but he truly is like a running back after the catch. He really is special with the ball in his hands. And I'm not saying that he's going to be somebody who is going to make an impact for the Jaguars necessarily, because I think that 
it is very likely that he is traded, but that is something that you should watch out for. People are not speaking about that. That is what I mean. He's flying under the radar. A possible move with him, that is something that has been speculated a fair bit, but people are not really bringing it up anymore. It is someone, or he is someone that could fetch some value on the trade market, and he could be a contributor on a contending team. So that is something you should watch for. And at number 23, I'm not being biased, I can guarantee, but I do have the New York Jets. And I'm going to try not to speak about them for too long because I could, you know, go on about them forever. But Joe Douglas truly has put together a much better roster than Mike McKaganen ever could have dreamed of putting together. One of the deepest defensive line rotations in the entire NFL, as well as a very young and pretty exciting offense. Um, So they could definitely shoot up these rankings by the end of the season. They could go way up, but they could also go way down because every single thing depends on Zach Wilson. Their success lies entirely on his shoulders because we really don't know if he's going to be awesome or if he's going to be pretty bad. And I believe that he is going to be very good. I think that he is the franchise quarterback for the New York Jets. But everything lies on his shoulders. And if he fails, the team fails. So this is a volatile team in that sense, but they have the potential to move up a lot. And my player, who I think is flying under the radar on the Jets, is Bryce Huff. This is someone who did go undrafted out of Memphis a couple years ago, but he was a dominant player there. And when he's been on the field in the NFL, he's been really, really good. He has been someone who is not spoken about much at all. But according to PFF, he's actually got the highest career pass rush win rate, which is based on being able to beat blocks quickly in a certain amount of time, of any defensive end drafted since the 2019 draft at over 20%, which is an incredible statistic over guys like Nick Bosa, Chase Young, guys like that. He has a higher pass pass rush win rate than those guys. And he's been a rotational guy because of this deep defensive line rotation that Joe Douglas has built. And he has dealt with injuries as well, which has held him back a little bit. But when he is on the field, he's someone who has been very impactful and he's not spoken about at all. So he is someone who I think could make a big impact this year, even though he's not someone that people speak about much at all. So as I promised, not going to speak a lot about the Jets. I'm going to move on to the number 22 team, the Detroit Lions. And this is a team who lost a lot of really close games last year. I mean, they lost against the Ravens only because Justin Tucker kicked the longest field goal in NFL history. This was a team that was competitive last year. They just lost a ton of close games, and they are a very tough team. I think that they're very well coached by Dan Campbell, regardless of what the record may have said. And they have one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. Jonah Jackson is awesome at guard. Frank Ragnow is one of the best centers in the NFL. Panay Sewell could be really, really, really good. Taylor Decker is a great tackle. They've got guys on that offensive line to protect Jared Goff. And they've made some major additions on both sides of the ball. And I think that at worst, they're going to be a team who competes this year. But at best, they're going to be someone... They're going to be a team that fights for a wild card spot. And I think that that is going to be tough in the NFC. But I think it is something that is possible at the very least. 
and someone who is flying under the radar coming off an Achilles injury, Jeff Akuda, like C.J. Henderson, very, very high pick in the same draft, the two of them. Jeff Akuda was the third overall pick that year, and it feels like he's been forgotten by many because he had that really rough rookie year. And then he tore his Achilles last year. He was playing in a scheme that was not very friendly, particularly for a rookie corner when he was playing under Matt Patricia in his first year. But he has looked good this offseason. Every single report, everything is saying that he is primed for a bounce-back year, coming off a serious injury, especially for a cornerback. But it seems like he's in position to take back his spot as someone who was viewed as a premier cornerback prospect, someone who could play very, very well going forward in the NFL because he was a great prospect coming out of college, third overall pick, obviously a top prospect. But in the NFL, now we don't know with him, but he is in a position. He's being given the opportunity to bounce back and show why he was drafted so highly. And people are not speaking about him as much because bad first year, injury plagued second year, but in the third year, he's in a position to take back his spot. So that's someone that I feel is being overlooked. He is flying under the radar. Um, so those are the lines at number 22. At number 21, I've got the Minnesota Vikings. And don't get me wrong, Kirk is a good quarterback. Some of the core that has led that has led this team to success in recent years is still there. But they are aging. The defense in particular is really aging. And there has been a solid amount of turnover, obviously a new regime coming in. So it really wouldn't be a stunning development for them to have a subpar season in this first year of the new regime, both in the front office and in the coaching. But it's it's a team that they, they could still compete. They do still have some members of that core, but they're not a team that on paper is in the position to really go for it all this year. Um, But somebody who could help them, if that is something that they end up trying to pursue, a Super Bowl this year, which it's not going to happen, but someone who could help them is K.J. Osborne, who had maybe the quietest 655 yards and seven touchdown season ever last year. It was his second year in the league. He didn't even play on offense in his rookie year. He only played special teams. And he also didn't even play 70% of the snaps last year. But he still had a really great season, at least statistically. And Kevin McConnell, O'Connell, excuse me, Kevin O'Connell, comes from the Rams, who ran by far the most three wide receiver sets last year at 86%. That is a really high number. So he is going to be on the field a lot because obviously you've got Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen who are the top two guys, and for good reason. Those are two very good receivers. In the case of Jefferson, a superstar receiver. But K.J. Osborne is going to be on the field a lot, and people are not speaking about him at all, but he is somebody who had a quietly great year last year. And he's going to be someone who puts up significant production, barring injury, in his third season. So he's someone that people are overlooking. Um, But now to move on to number 20. And again, this is not a team that I would normally have this low, kind of like what I said earlier with Seattle, but this one's even crazier, the New England Patriots. And 
you know, they have tormented me for a really long time as a Jet fan. And Bill Belichick is still the greatest coach of all time. But the problem is that the roster is not good at all. Belichick is really not good at drafting in the slightest. I think we've all come to realize that over the past couple of years. This is a team that does not have any depth whatsoever. Um, I mean, they just traded away Nikhil Harry, who he spent a first-round pick on at receiver a couple years back for a 20-25 seventh. I mean, that kind of tells you how the drafting has been. Um, Not very good at all. And because of that, the roster is really, really thin on both sides of the ball. And a lot of longtime stalwarts of the team, they're no longer there. And it is a very new team, is the way to put it. There are a lot of new pieces, but they are not all good pieces. And they spent a ton of money last year in free agency. And that is going to hurt them because it is putting them in a very bad cap situation. So they are not going to be very good this year, honestly. They simply don't have the money, or they didn't have the money to sign a lot of great players this offseason. And going forward, the outlook is not very good for them. It is bleak, to say the least. But someone who they did sign this offseason who could be surprising that people really aren't talking about at all as a possibly impactful signing is Jabril Peppers. And he's a super versatile player, Heisman finalist in college, I'm sure many of you remember, at Michigan. Um, He was with the Giants the past couple years after the Odell trade. He came over from Cleveland. And he did sign with New England. He's a safety but as we've seen with him in college and in his previous NFL stops, he can return kicks, he could play in the box, he could play free safety, he could play in the slot, he could really do anything you want him to do. He should be a real Swiss Army knife for Bill Belichick, which is something that he really does like. I mean, you see players already on that defense, like Kyle Duggar, who is a bit of a Swiss Army knife himself. That is something that they really, really like. That is something that New England really values. And Jabril Peppers should fill that role very, very well for them. So he's someone who is not being spoken about much at all as an impactful signing, but he's someone who I think could make a difference for them on defense this year. And moving on to number 19, I've got the New Orleans Saints. And this has a team that that has proven to be very good. They have been proven to be a really solid team, but the Drew Brees years are over. And Jameis, he, for all we know, he might be really good. I mean, he was solid before the ACL last year. Once he got LASIK, it seems like a lot of his issues had been fixed, um, which, you know, he got after the, the 30 touchdown, 30 interception year, which was pretty amazing. But they they could be good. They could have potential. There are a ton of question marks, though, particularly on offense with Jameis, with Michael Thomas, who knows what he's going to look like after two years. And there's also a new head coach in Dennis Allen, and he's been around the team for a very long time, but... Sean Payton is gone. That is a huge, huge change. And the defense is really awesome. Like, the defense is sick. But there are offensive question marks, and there is new leadership, at least in terms of the coaching staff. So that's something that has to be looked at, that has to be watched very closely during this year. But someone who is flying under the radar on the offensive side of the ball is James Hurst. And he is a really, really, really good swing tackle. And he's entering his third year in New Orleans, He had been in Baltimore before that, and he's not a household name, but Teron Armstead left the Saints, and they need a left tackle. 
And that guy this year for them is going to be James Hurst. He's going to be playing left tackle for the New Orleans Saints. And those are really big shoes to fill. And per PFF, he was the 24th best pass blocking tackle last year, which is not bad. Like, that's pretty solid. I mean, that is above average if you look at all 64 starting tackles in the NFL. Surely there are a lot more when you incorporate injuries. But he's he's someone who has proven in his time, at least as a swing tackle, to be a solid player. And now taking over again for Teron Armstead full-time. Lots of pressure on him, especially protecting a guy who's coming off a torn ACL. A lot of pressure on him, but he is someone who really you don't hear about at all. You don't hear people speaking about, oh, James Hurst is going to be the new left tackle for the New Orleans Saints this year. But he is filling in some big shoes, and he's going to play a really big role in whether or not this team is successful in the 2022 season. So that's the Saints at 19. Number 18, we have the Miami Dolphins. So here's the deal with them. Obviously, there was a lot of drama with the coaching situation. But the roster itself is very, very good. And speaking of Teron Armstead, he's the new left tackle now in New Orleans. Uh, pardon me, in Miami. He left New Orleans for Miami. And they did make another really big addition in Tyreek Hill. And that could be huge for Tua, who was surrounded by a great roster. But Tua himself is a massive question mark. He needs to step it up. You, If you remember, in his rookie year, he kind of started a lot of games. But then, you know, when the game got really closer, they were losing and they needed to make a comeback. They pulled him for Fitzpatrick, for Ryan Fitzpatrick. And Brian Flores, I believe he said that he was kind of like a relief pitcher. No, that's not what it was. They knew that Tua was not good enough to win the game, so they needed to put it in the backup. They just wanted to get him experience, and in year two, he improved a little bit, but he still has certain weaknesses that show every Sunday, and he needs to step it up. If he can, then great. This could be a team that contends, but if he does not step it up, it seems like they're going to be a team looking for a new quarterback next offseason. So really, all rests on Tua. But someone who is flying under the radar, first-round pick a few years ago, Noah Igbenogany, cornerback out of Auburn. And he was actually a receiver very recently. He only started playing corner in 2018. So he was a first-round pick based solely off of athletic traits, really, and the potential that he showed very on in his career as a cornerback. But he has been flat-out bad in his first two years. Like, he has been awful. Like, he's not good. And he's obviously not going to start on the outside with Xavier Howard and Byron Jones being big money guys who are certainly much better players at this stage. He's going to be behind Nick Needham as well in the slot, who was a UDFA a couple of years ago. So again, not a good sign that you're starting behind a UDFA as a former first round pick. But he does have that immense raw talent and athleticism, and he's definitely fighting for a spot on the team. There's a chance that he does not make this roster because he has, as I said, been really bad. But he does have all the tools to still turn it around and to have a bounce back year. So that is something that I think people should be speaking about more because this is a guy, lots of potential. Let's say there's an injury or something, he has to step into a bigger role. He could possibly be a very, very good player. So people are overlooking him, I believe, and he is really flying under the radar. So now to move on to number 17, the Pittsburgh Steelers. And this might be kind of stupid that I have them this low because people speak about it all the time. 
15 seasons as the Steelers head coach, Mike Tomlin has never had a losing record, which is absolutely mind-blowing. Um, and 17th in the league might suggest that they will have a losing record, but we'll see about that. Um, the defense is not that great. It's very talented, but at least in terms of yardage given up, 20th in the league last year. You do have guys like TJ Watt, Minka Fitzpatrick. They do need to step it up as a whole, though, that unit, because they're going to need to compensate for Mitchell Trubisky or Kenny Pickett, whoever the quarterback is, operating behind one of the weaker offensive lines in football on that offense. They need to step it up because the offense is not going to be that great. We saw last year what it was like with a end of career Ben Roethlisberger, who was really not good at all. He didn't have any sort of arm anymore. He couldn't really move. And like this year, the quarterback situation is not going to be much better. These are two guys who are unproven. I mean, Pickett is a rookie and Mitch was not very good in Chicago and he was a backup last year in Buffalo, which maybe that helped him. But the defense is going to need to step it up in order to carry that offense because I just don't see that offense being very good. But again, Mike Tomlin, you cannot doubt a team coached by him. So that's why I have them as high as I do. Um, They would be lower if not for Mike Tomlin. If they had pretty much any other coach in the NFL, they would certainly not be at number 17. They would be much lower. Um, Jannard Avery, though, linebacker, he is my under-the-radar player. He has been very underappreciated for years in Cleveland and Philly as, you know, that Sam linebacker who can kind of do, he can do everything. He's very functional in space. He's solid in coverage, solid against the run, but he is one of the better blitzers in the league. He, he truly is really good in that role. And I think that the defense is going to have a lot of fun with him. Brian Flores, who I mentioned with the last team, the Miami Dolphins, they did have coaching drama. He's now the linebackers coach for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So he might have a lot of fun with Gennard Avery because he is being overlooked as an addition to this defense. He is a solid, solid player, and he could have a bigger role than people expect. So that's my number 17 team, the Pittsburgh Steelers. And at number 16, we have the Philadelphia Eagles. And the thing with the Eagles is that Howie Roseman is a man who Eagles fans and many NFL fans in general love to hate. But I don't really understand why, because the Eagles almost always field a competitive team. They just won a Super Bowl recently, and he has done a very nice job putting together this roster with young stars while keeping some stalwarts who have been there forever, like Fletcher Cox, Lane Johnson. And I mean, with the new guys, they just got A.J. Brown, and they did give him a big deal, but that was an awesome trade that they made during the draft. Um, The big question is whether Jalen Hurts could take the leap in year three, which I do believe he can because I really like Jalen Hurts coming out of the draft because when you look at Jalen and you compare how he was in his freshman year at Alabama to his sophomore year, to his junior year, to his final year in college at Oklahoma, he grew so much each year. And if you continue to project that he will grow every single year in the way that he did during college... You could have seen a guy who would eventually become a star. And he did show a leap from his senior year to his first year in the NFL. And then he showed another leap in his second year. He just gets better every single year. There's no other way to put it. He learns and he grows. He's a guy who you simply cannot doubt. And 
I don't doubt that he's going to take another leap in year three and solidify his role as the franchise quarterback. And if he does that, they can be a very, very good team. I think at the very minimum, at the bare minimum, very least, they will be a competitive team who wins more than enough games to at least make some noise maybe in the wild card race. Um, but for one player who I think is flying under the radar, Andre Dillard, first round pick a couple of years ago out of Washington State at left tackle, and he's not starting. He is on the bench. Jordan Mailata came in, took the job, and he has dominated. I mean, seventh round pick a couple of years ago, former rugby player. He is one of the best left tackles in the NFL. He has become a dominant force on the left side of that line. And he got a massive new contract recently, which good for him. He deserves every single penny of it. But if anybody on that line at any position goes down, he could shine Andre Dillard. Andre Dillard could shine as that former first-round pick who still has lots and lots of talent. Or if another team in the preseason loses a starter, particularly at left tackle, they could trade a pick for Andre Dillard and have a guy starting at left tackle for that year that they know has enough talent to solidify that spot on the offensive line because it's not like he's a backup because he's a bad player. He's a backup because he's gotten hurt and Jordan Mailata has shown that he could be a dominant left tackle, which Dillard hasn't quite shown yet, but people aren't really speaking about the potential for that trade. Not like, you know, people are actively speaking about what bench players could get traded, you know, in the middle of July but he is someone who could step in and make an impact on the Eagles if someone gets hurt or on another team. So those are the Eagles at 16. At 15, I have the Arizona Cardinals. And this might be a little bit lower than I thought they would be going in. And people as a whole do forget, and I might be victim of this here. Uh, I might be falling victim to this, but people forget how good they've been recently because Kyler had that one awful playoff game last year. Like, like, don't get me wrong. He was terrible. Like, he was not good in that game. But he's still an awesome young talent. He is a great young quarterback. And they do have a nice young mix of young guys and veterans. And maybe, hopefully, it can finally come together. Because we saw in the first half of last year, they were arguably the best team in football. But the wheels started to come off towards the end of the year. And then everything just collapsed in that playoff game. Um, but maybe this year, everything can go well, and they can make a really, really, really deep run. Um, they have the talent. It's just a matter of going the whole year, staying consistent throughout the entire year, not just the beginning of the year, the whole year. Um, so they have a lot of potential. But my player flying under the radar, and this is actually the only rookie who I have, I believe this is the only rookie actually on here out of all the 32 teams. I have Trey McBride, tight end, out of Colorado State, drafted this year in the second round. And rookie tight ends historically do not do well at all. Like rookie tight ends usually have really, really, really poor statistics. And they play poorly in general. The, the stats don't lie in regards to that. Like they're, they're not good. But... He is someone who was very pro-ready as a prospect, it would seem. Um, and there is a big void to step into in that offense. Because even though Zach Ertz is there at tight end, he's not very young anymore. 
A.J. Green isn't young either at receiver. DeAndre Hopkins is suspended to start the year. So there are a lot of targets that are open for Trey McBride, potentially. A lot of those targets could open up, and they could go right to him. And he was very pro-ready, as I said, as a receiver and as a blocker at Colorado State. He had 90 catches last year for over 1,200 yards and a touchdown. So he had some awesome counting statistics, but even looking beyond that, because obviously that's not the most important thing, especially with tight ends. We see one of the best tight ends in the NFL, if not the best tight end in the NFL, George Kittle. He didn't have the stats at Iowa because they really didn't use him much. But now he's a dominant, dominant, dominant player. But Trey McBride does have those stats, and he did look like a really great player at Colorado State. So he could come in, and with those targets being open, especially towards the beginning of the year, he could get a lot of targets and he could make a lot of plays. And people are not speaking about him as a potential weapon for Kyler Murray when he absolutely could be that weapon that he needs. So Trey McBride, that's my player flying under the radar for them. And those are my number 15 Arizona Cardinals. Number 14, this is a team who could be higher. And depending on the quarterback, they could possibly win the Super Bowl this year. The Indianapolis Colts have a great, great, great roster. And they could prove me wrong for putting them at 14. Chris Ballard has done an excellent job putting together that team. They recognize that they made a mistake with Carson Wentz. They swooped in on the the Matty Ice sweepstakes. I guess you would call them a sweepstakes. Um... And they have their quarterback now. And it is an excellent roster. Like Chris Ballard, as I said, he's done an excellent job. And Frank Reich is a very good coach. If Matty Ice, uh, if Matt Ryan, I'll call him, I'll call him by his real name. If Matt Ryan can play, not even like he did in his MVP year, but if he can be a solid to above, like, like an above average NFL quarterback, this team is going to make a run. But he has to gel with all these other players with the team. This is his first year out of Atlanta after being there for an extremely long time. I mean, this is where he's been since he came out in what, 2008, I believe. This is He's been in Atlanta the entire time. And now he's going to a new team, new teammates, new area. So if he gels, I think that they could be a really good competitive team. But we have to see how Matt Ryan does in this setting because it is a big change for him. So beyond just Matt Ryan, obviously there is an entire other roster that will be made up of 52 people come the regular season. And one of those players is my under the radar player in Dio Denebo. And he was a really good pass rusher coming out of Vandy a couple of years ago. Um, he tore his Achilles in the pre-draft process. He would have been a first round pick otherwise, but he did tear his Achilles kind of like what we see with David Ojabo this year. He fell to the Ravens. Um, same thing really happened to Odenabo, but Odenabo actually fell even further than he than um, Ojabo did. And he did manage to play five games at the end of last year, Odenabo did, um, in his rookie year. But for all intents and purposes, it was a redshirt year after the Achilles because his his forte, his calling card is his explosiveness, his athleticism. He's a freaky athlete. He is a complete freak. So coming out off the Achilles, he's not going to be 100%. So in those five games, you know, he wasn't excellent per se. But as a guy who would have been a first rounder had he not torn the Achilles, he is a super talented guy. And now going into his second year healthy, he just needs to show that he can rebound from this injury. And he could be a super impactful player coming off the edge in a second year 
for the Indianapolis Colts. So he's someone who people aren't really speaking about because obviously coming off the injury, but he can make a really big impact on that Colts defense. Um, So moving on, number 13, I have the Las Vegas Raiders, and they were a competitive team last year, certainly. I mean, playoff team, and they were very, very, very good. Um, The question for me is not about Derek Carr. I have faith in Derek Carr. I think he's an excellent quarterback, and I think he can absolutely lead them to a Super Bowl. The question for me is, can Josh McDaniels put it together in his return to being a head coach? Because in Denver, years and years ago, when he was a head coach, it was not pretty. And he went back to New England, and he was the coordinator, you know, for forever for that offense. And he almost went to Indy. We all know what happened with that. Um, Not a good look for him, certainly. But now he is a head coach again in Las Vegas. And if he can put it together, this can be a contending team. It all depends on him, though, because Derek Carr is a very good quarterback. They have a solid roster, especially with, you know, some big additions that they made this offseason, like Chandler Jones, Devontae Adams, two excellent players. They do have a pretty weak offensive line outside of Colton Miller, who's become a really, really, really great left tackle. Um, They need to compensate for that as well as the really terrible drafting that happened, I would say, mostly under John Gruden. It would say everything that we have heard, the people on the outside, it's that he had more say over the draft than Mike Mayock, who also got fired. But they both really messed up this team. I mean, they had some absolutely atrocious picks. I mean, Ruggs didn't work out, not because of his play on the field, but because, you know, he did one of the stupidest things a person could possibly do. But Cleveland Farrell hasn't worked out. Trayvon Mullen. Oh, Trayvon Mullen's actually been good. Excuse me. I don't know why I said that. Um, I meant Damon Arnett, the other cornerback who they drafted, has not worked out at all. Jonathan Abram has not worked out at all. Josh Jacobs has been meh. There have been other picks. Alex Leatherwood was a really, really, really bad pick. I don't know why I said um, Mullen before. He's actually been solid. But they've made some really bad picks. So the rest of the team needs to compensate for that. Um, but they could be a really solid team, even after all those misses from the previous regime. Um, and their player that I think is flying under the radar, who was drafted last year in that same secondary where Mullen is now and Damon Arnett no longer is because he decided to post a very interesting video on social media, which led to him getting cut. Um, Trayvon Merrig, awesome last year at safety for them. He's a stud. He played 99.5% of the snaps last year for them. Six PBUs, 75.5 PFF coverage grade, which was second among all rookies last year behind Javon Holland, and he should have a really big role at that free safety position for them. He's someone who could take a leap and become one of the true stars out of all the safeties in the NFL. He's someone at a TCU, showed a ton of potential last year, and he could be someone who really becomes one of the faces of this franchise. And people need to be speaking about that more because Holland, who I said he did have a slightly better grade than him, and Holland was excellent. People talk a lot about Javon Holland, who he deserves the the talk. I mean, he's excellent. But people don't speak about Merrick at all, really, even though he was almost just as good. Like, he's a, a really freaking good player. So people overlook him. He's flying under the radar. And... If they end up making a really deep run, Merrick is going to end up being a big reason why. Um, So moving on to number 12, the Tennessee Titans. 
And they were the one seed in the AFC last year. So 12 might seem a little bit low, but when you go through the 11 teams above them, I really cannot say with any confidence that they are better than the, the Titans are better than any of those 11 teams. Um, the p- receiver position is significantly weakened. Traylon Burks is not a bad player by any means, but going from him as a rookie, go- going to him from A.J. Brown is a massive, 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 massive downgrade. Robert Woods should be a solid addition for them, but he's really the number one guy. Uh, Burks is not going to step into that role immediately, most certainly. And there were no major additions that were really made to help push them over the top. All these other teams in the AFC, they did make big moves to push them over the top, which, you know, I'll speak about a little bit later, at least for some of those teams. The Titans didn't do that. So even if they're not getting so much worse, which I do believe they did get a little bit worse, especially with the receiver stuff, they're falling behind. You've got to keep getting better in the NFL in order to compete, and they are not doing that. Um, somebody on the offense, though, who I think is flying under the radar, is Nate Davis. And he's a guy out of Charlotte, 25th ranked player in the NFL per PFF last year at guard. He plays right guard for them. Um, and, you know, PFF, I keep referencing PFF grades. PFF, they could be very inconsistent with their grading, particularly at the linebacking posi- the linebacker position. So I'm not crazy about using, you know, their stats, their grades for some of these things, but they can come in handy. They really can to help put players in perspective, especially relative to others. So it's not a perfect science. It's not an exact science, I should say, but in my opinion, they can be helpful with certain things. Um, so anyways, back on track. He's excellent against the run. He had a down year last year after having COVID twice, which is not exactly ideal to say the least, for anybody. Thankfully, he is healthy now, um, but it did affect him on the field, unfortunately. Um, he gave up five sacks, which, especially for his standards, is really, really poor. But hopefully he bounces back in year four, and I am confident that he can because he is a really talented player. And he has flown under the radar because of that poor year last year, and he was never really a household name to begin with, even though he was very solid in his first two years in the league. But I think he is flying under the radar a little bit. Um, So moving on from the Titans, number 11, I have the Baltimore Ravens. And this is a team, you know, they are always competitive, especially now that Lamar Jackson is the quarterback and he is a superstar. And people who say otherwise are simply wrong. I mean, he won the MVP unanimously for a reason. He is an amazing talent at quarterback. Hopefully, though, he is healthy after the ankle issues that he dealt with towards the end of last year. Um, Because Eric DaCosta always puts out an awesome team, an awesome roster after he learned under Ozzie Newsome for so, so long. John Harbaugh does an awesome job coaching that team every single year. They are one of the best organizations in the NFL, so they could make some real noise this year if Lamar is healthy. The skill positions, you know, the weapons for Lamar, not quite as good as they are for other quarterbacks. That's been the case for a few years now, which I don't think is really a good thing, obviously. 
<laughs> I mean, it's it wouldn't be a bad thing if they did have more weapons for him. So it's not a great thing that they don't have the amount of weapons that they should have for him. But it's it's other than that a really really well built team. As always, as I've said, I've repeated the same thing over and over again because you cannot emphasize enough how well run this organization is. So they can absolutely compete for a Super Bowl this year. I don't think they're going to be one of the top contenders, but if Lamar stays healthy, they can compete. And a player who is flying under the radar, Justin Houston, obviously not the youngest guy in the world anymore. He could still be a really nice rotational pass rusher behind guys like behind guys like Adafi Owe, Tyus Bowser, you know, guys like that, the young guys. Houston did have four and a half sacks in 15 games last year. So he's not the guy he once was in Kansas City when he was a, a game wrecker. But he can still spell the young guys for stretches during games. And he could still make a contribution. And he could still put up some nice pressure numbers, some nice sack numbers. Um, you know, people aren't speaking about him as much as they should. He was once spoken about a lot because he is still a big name, but people just don't talk about him as much anymore as a possible contributor. And he'll be a big contributor this year to the Baltimore Ravens. If they win the Super Bowl, it means that Justin Houston had a really good year. So now, on to the top 10. I've got at number 10, the Denver Broncos. And this roster has been stacked for a while on both sides, because George Payton, when he came over from Minnesota... He took over for John Elway, and he has done an awesome job building this team and adding huge, huge, huge pieces. And the question really is just, can Russell Wilson get them over the top? Because Drew Locke certainly wasn't doing that. Uh, the, the quarterbacks, the other quarterbacks weren't really doing it for them. You know, no one was leading them to the promised land, obviously. Russell Wilson, he's the guy who destroyed the Broncos in the Super Bowl. When, when they lost 43-8, to eight. I mean, it was a blowout, and it was at the hands of Russell Wilson. Now he's the guy there. He's the guy in Denver. So it really depends on whether or not Russ can get them over the top because this is a really good roster. They are primed to compete, and a number 10 ranking for them is not disrespectful. It just speaks to the talent on the top nine teams because they are a really good team. And they could absolutely compete for a Super Bowl this year, um, especially if certain guys step up, like my under-the-radar player in K.J. Hamler. And he's been off the radar a little bit because he tore his ACL last year. Significant injury, obviously. He missed the year. But he is a lightning-fast player. He is so fast. If you watch him at Penn State, it's just insane how fast this man is. Like He could stretch the field like very few other players could be like can do and he could be an awesome fourth option to stretch the field for Russ because you've got Cortland Sutton you've got Tim Patrick you've got uh Jerry Judy I couldn't remember his name for a second and as evidenced by that they do have a deep receiving corpse but KJ Hamler brings much more speed than any of those three other guys do so Hamler could be a really big piece on this team and people are not speaking about him but again if they win the Super Bowl, he's going to be a big reason why. Uh, so now, moving on to number nine, the Dallas Cowboys. And they just need to prove that they can get over the hump. Because I don't trust Mike McCarthy as a head coach. Luckily, they have two of the best coordinators in football. On offense, they have Kellen Moore. Defense, they have Dan Quinn. Awesome, awesome 
coordinator. So they have a really great coaching staff ahead of a bit of a suspect head coach. He's not that good, in my opinion, and I don't trust him. And we all saw what happened at the end of the playoff game last year. The team just needs to prove they can get over the hump because they have not proven anything of the sort yet. But the team is super talented. Dak Prescott is an elite NFL quarterback. They had the number one offense in football last year, at least in terms of yardage. And the defense has a lot of really talented pieces as well. I mean, Micah Parsons, I wasn't as high on him as most others were going into the draft last year because I really didn't see a very clear role for him in the NFL. But he's proved me wrong. He was a freak last year. And he's already one of the best linebackers in the entire National Football League. So they have some really special pieces on both sides of the ball. And they could absolutely make a run. Um, someone who is flying under the radar, though, is Oso Digazua. Draft pick last year out of UCLA. And as a rookie, he was actually 10th amongst all rookies in pressures with 14. Which is, for a third-round pick, that's really solid. And he's a guy with inside-outside versatility. And he could be a really nice rotational piece on the defensive line. I mean, he's a player with a lot of talent. And he showed it last year, at least in spurts. And he had some numbers. And he got to play a fair bit. But if he gets more playing time this year, he could be a really big reason why they have success. He's a guy that's being overlooked. He's under the radar. But he is a very good player. So now, at number 8, I have the San Francisco 49ers. And I have them this low because there is a lot of uncertainty with the quarterback situation. Who knows what's going to happen with Jimmy? It seems like he's going to get traded, but very, very, very mysterious situation is the way I'll put it right now. Um, Trey Lance is not an experienced NFL player, obviously. He's incredibly talented, as well as the rest of the roster. But we need to see what Trey Lance can do. But the roster is so great. The staff is awesome. And they almost quietly, you could say, they quietly made an NFC Championship run. Like, they made it to the NFC Championship game. People don't speak about that. They made it. They were one of the final four teams in the NFL last year. They were really good. They made a run. And people just don't talk about it. Um, They're a really good team. And they could run it back this year. Now, with Trey Lance starting at quarterback, and they could make a really deep run. And someone who was flying under the radar is Maurice Hurst. And Mo Hurst only played two games last year, only had two tackles due to injury. But he's someone to absolutely keep an eye on because he is buried on the depth chart. But a few years ago, when the Raiders, then in Oakland, when they drafted him, he would have been a first-rounder. But as many of you, I'm sure, know, they found a heart condition at the Combine, which dropped him to the fifth round. And the Raiders scooped him up. And he is a talented player, lots of upfield burst, not a ton of production yet. But he's a guy who, if given enough snaps, he could have that. And again, he's not even guaranteed to make the roster. But he is a player with talent, and people are not speaking about him because he is buried on the depth chart. But he could make a big impact if he's forced into a bigger role. So now... Moving on to number seven, and now, obviously, really, starting with the 49ers, I would say, these are the true Super Bowl contenders, like the, the people who are really going to be in it, like the teams that, you know, they have a good shot at winning it. I have the Green Bay Packers, and they would be higher, and traditionally, I think of them going into seasons, like the past couple seasons, I've thought of them as higher than the seventh best team in the NFL. And 
on paper, they might be better than the seventh best team in the NFL. I would say that they probably are, but I am really hesitant to put them above this because they can simply never get over the hump. They're always dominant in the regular season, but come playoff time, the team just can't do it. They just cannot win. It's that simple. So until they can prove that they can get over the hump, I really cannot rank them higher before the season than number seven. Um, Aaron Rodgers is still Aaron Rodgers, two-time MVP. Well, not two-time. He's certainly a lot more than two-time MVP. Back-to-back MVP, I mean. But he did lose Devontae Adams, so that's something to keep an eye on. I expect them to do very well in the regular season again. But again, it's all a matter of doing well in the playoffs, which they have not been able to do in a while. Um, Someone who is flying under the radar, really old player, very experienced player to say the least, Mercedes Lewis. He's 38 at this point. And it's funny I say he's flying under the radar because he has had a very long career and he certainly won't be getting any better. But he's still so consistent as a blocker. He's one of the better blocking tight ends in the NFL, as a matter of fact, in the pass game and in the run game. And he is a leader in the locker room. But people forget about him because he's old. And, you know, Robert Tunyon, I guess, has sort of cemented that tight end job. And it's not like they're going to have Mercedes Lewis running, you know, 50 routes a game. But still, he's a valuable player on that team. So he does fly under the radar. He is overlooked. But he is important. Um, So now moving on to number six. Almost at the end, the Los Angeles Chargers. Justin Herbert is a superstar. There's no other way to put it. Um, Tom Telesco has hit on trades. He's hit on free agents. And he's hit in the draft. I mean, he just traded for Khalil Mack, which is huge. Free agency, he signed a ton of guys recently. J.C. Jackson this year. Lindsley was a really big signing the year before that. And the draft, he's also made some awesome additions, such as Justin Herbert, who's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL right now. They're a really competitive roster, ready to win. They just need to stay consistent throughout the year and just prove that they can take that next step. And if they can take that leap, they can take that next step from last year, they can absolutely win the Super Bowl. Um, Bryce Callahan is my under-the-radar player, and he has for years now flown under the radar. He's getting a little bit more recognition than he used to. He's one of the best slot corners in the NFL. He left Denver for the Chargers this year for only one year for $1.3 million, which is not a lot um, because he's had two injury-plagued years the the past two years, which is why he got so little, but he is much better than that contract would suggest. Um, The Chargers have had some really nice slots, the past couple of years in Desmond King and Chris Harris Jr. And Chris Harris Jr. obviously in his prime was probably the best slot cornerback in the league, but he was not in his prime with the Chargers. Um, so Callahan, when you take that into account, Callahan's probably the best of all those three. He is an excellent slot corner and he's going to play a really big role on the inside while Asante Samuel and JC Jackson hold down the outside corner spots. So if they win a lot of games, it's going to be because Bryce Callahan played a role. Or he's not going to be the main reason, but, you know, you get what I'm saying. It means that he had a good year because he is a good player, a very good player. People don't speak about him. Slot corners in general, people don't speak about. They deserve more recognition. Number five, the Cincinnati Bengals. One of the main issues last year with the team, the main issue, actually, was the offensive line was terrible, and Joe Burrow was running for his life every single game. Suddenly, though, It's stacked on paper. They have an awesome offensive line now, so they should be even better last year. And the defense is really fun, really young defense. 
very athletic defense. And Joe Burrow is he's the catalyst. He's the guy who's behind all the success. He is a superstar quarterback. He knows how to play the quarterback position. It's that simple. He's not this freak athlete like Justin Herbert is, but the way that he can play the quarterback position, he is a winner. That's it's as simple as that. He's he's a winner. Um he's he's just a re- he's a really good player. Um so if he could keep it up and if the defense can play well and if the offensive line can improve, they'll be a top team in the NFL. They will be up there. Um one of the underrated player, one of the most underrated players in the league, hence why I'm saying he's flying under the radar, is Logan Wilson, one of the best linebackers particularly in coverage in the NFL. Phenomenal instincts and he just doesn't get the recognition he deserves entering his third year but he always makes big plays like in the divisional round against the titans who i said before i didn't really trust entering next year ryan Tannehill did not look great in that game he threw the game ceiling interception in the fourth quarter in the divisional round to guess who logan wilson he always seems to come up with the big play when it's needed he is really being overlooked he is flying under the radar he is the leader of that defense, so he needs to get more recognition because he's not getting much of it, and he is an awesome player. Um, so those are the Bengals. Number four, the Los Angeles Rams, and I know that they did just win the Super Bowl, and they are still a really talented team, but they did lose Von Miller, which is huge, Darius Williams, who was awesome for them last year, and Andrew Whitworth, who's been their left tackle for a decent amount of time, coming from the aforementioned Cincinnati Bengals. Um, those are not small losses. Those are major, major, major pieces of the team from last year that they just lost. So they need to come up with a way to compensate for those because if they want to win another Super Bowl, they need to have stars all around the team. And those are three star players who they just lost. So they're still a stacked team with an amazing coaching staff. But they need to pick it up a little bit. They need to pick up some of the slack. They need to make up for some of that talent that they are losing in those three players. Um, but they're, as I said, there's a reason why they're number four. They're an excellent team still. And my under-the-radar player for the team is David Edwards. He was drafted as a tackle. Uh, he played offensive tackle, tight end, and even quarterback, especially in high school he played quarterback. But he played all those positions in college and high school. And he has developed into one of the better pass-blocking guards in the NFL. He plays left guard for them. And he has quietly become one of the better players at that position in the league. People don't speak about him again. All the attention on that offensive line really went to Andrew Whitworth. But now he's gone. Joe Noteboom is going to be taking over for him. So people are going to start to look at other players on that offensive line besides Whitworth. And hopefully they finally notice David Edwards and say, Hey, this guy is really good at what he does. Because he flies under the radar a lot. like People don't speak about him as one of the better guards in the league, even though he absolutely is. So, coming in at number three, moving on from the Rams, we have got the Kansas City Chiefs, third best team in the league, in my opinion, entering the year. Losing Tyreek Hill is huge. Like It cannot be understated how much of an impact he had on that offense. His speed is unmatched by pretty much any other player and. NFL history I mean maybe like Bob Hayes you know I mean he's 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 got that kind of speed Tyreek Hill like he's fast and him going that's it's a huge addition for Miami but it is not good for Patrick Mahomes it is not good for Andy Reid but 
they still do have, as I said, Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. So as long as they have those two, they're going to be an amazing NFL team. They're going to compete for Super Bowls every year as long as they have those two. So I still have immense trust in those two people. So that's why I still have them at number three. But losing Tyreek is big. So that is something that needs to be watched throughout the year. Um, and my player flying under the radar is Derek Nottie, defensive tackle, plays next to Chris Jones, who is one of the best defensive tackles in the NFL. But Derek Nottie, he is a solid player. He's awesome against the run. Down year last season, he was not quite as good as he was. But he still played well, and people don't speak about him at all. And I would expect him to play a big role again this year. And I think he's going to come back from a down year last year. Because he's, especially in the run game, as I said, he's not necessarily going to play all three downs. But as a run-stuffing defensive tackle, he is really good at his role. So, coming in at number two is it's between the Bills and the Bucks. I've got the Bucks at number two. And their team, Tom Brady, he fooled us all for whatever reason he wanted to do that. I mean, he did it. He came out of retirement after retiring for 40 days. Um, but yeah, I mean, they've got him at quarterback. The roster is amazing. Jason Light has done a really good job putting that together. And when it comes to the Bills and the Bucks. Between number one and number two, I don't think there's a ton separating them. I'll get to the Bills later. I don't think that the Buccaneers roster is quite as good, but it's still an awesome team. Really deep team. They have a lot of great players, young and old. So I think that they're absolutely going to be in the mix for another Super Bowl. Mike Edwards is my under-the-radar player, and he is a real ball hawk at safety. He is going to have to replace Jordan Whitehead who did go to the Jets, who is a sneaky good player. He is very underrated, Jordan Whitehead. But Mike Edwards has been solid now for a couple of years. And as I said, he is a real ball hawk. He does have a lot of production in that sense. He flies around the field, so he's going to need to replace him in the secondary. And people are not speaking about Jordan Whitehead as, as big of a loss as it truly was. They really need for Mike Edwards to come in and do a great job of replacing him. And that is flying under the radar. People speak about, you know, Carlton Davis, guys like that in the secondary. They don't speak about Mike Edwards. He's going to have a big role this year. He's flying under the radar. So he needs to have a big year for them. And those are the number two Tampa Bay Bucks. And number one, as I kind of already mentioned, the Buffalo Bills. It pains me to say that as, you know, a Jet fan. But being honest, they're, they're the best team in football. The roster is ridiculous. Brandon Bean has done an amazing job putting it together. And they're very well coached by Sean McDermott. Josh Allen is definitely a top three quarterback in the NFL. I don't think he's number one, certainly. I think that's Mahomes, and I think Aaron Rodgers is probably better, but I think he's, without question, a top three quarterback in the NFL. He is really freaking good. There's, there's not much else to say. I mean, great quarterback, great roster, great coaches, very stable organization, at least at, at this point. For the past couple of years, they've been very stable. Not much to say. I mean, Allen to Diggs is like, it's it's pretty much unstoppable. So they are going to be, in my opinion, the team to beat this year. And they do have a lot of great depth pieces, such as OJ Howard, who is my under-the-radar player, coming from the Bucks, who just spoke about them. OJ Howard is coming off an Achilles injury. Um... 
from two years ago. He only had 14 catches last year as a result. He was not fully healthy, and you still had Gronk and Cameron Brait taking most of the snap the snaps. But there's a reason why O.J. Howard was a, a first-round pick. And people wanted him to go even earlier in that draft. It's funny. I remember back in that draft when he was taken, I believe it was 2017, I was in the parking lot at MetLife, and this guy just starts screaming at me and everybody else who I went with, well, we need O.J. at 6. We need O.J. at 6. Like, this guy was screaming at us. People wanted O.J. Howard at 6 for the Jets, and for good reason. He was a super, super, super talented tight end coming out of Alabama. He very easily could have been the highest tight end taken since Vernon Davis was taken by the 49ers a while ago. That didn't happen. He fell to the Bucks, but he's a, he's an uber-talented player, and he's overlooked because their production wasn't there last year coming off the injury. He missed most of the year before that with the Achilles, but behind Dawson Knox, he could still get in during some two tight end sets, and he could thrive. He's a freaky athlete with still a ton of potential and a ton of talent. So he's someone who's flying under the radar. People aren't speaking about that signing as much as I think they should because he could do some real damage with that offense this year. So that is it. I've listed all 32 teams. I'm going to go through them really quick just so everybody kind of gets a grasp of what the order is. 1 through 32. At number 1, I've got the Buffalo Bills. Two, I've got the Tampa Bay Bucks. Three, Kansas City Chiefs. Four, Los Angeles Rams. Five, Cincinnati Bengals. Six, Los Angeles Chargers. Seven, Green Bay Packers. Eight, San Francisco 49ers. Nine, Dallas Cowboys. Ten, Denver Broncos. Eleven, Baltimore Ravens. Twelve, Tennessee Titans. Thirteen, Las Vegas Raiders. Fourteen, Indianapolis Colts. Fifteen, Arizona Cardinals. Sixteen, Philadelphia Eagles. Halfway there. This is a lot. Seventeen, Pittsburgh Steelers. 18 Miami Dolphins, 19 New Orleans Saints, 20 New England Patriots, 21 Minnesota Vikings, 22 Detroit Lions, 23 New York Jets, 24 Jacksonville Jaguars, 25 Washington Commanders, 26 Cleveland Browns, 27 Carolina Panthers, 28 Seattle Seahawks, 29 New York Giants, 30 Houston Texans, 31 Atlanta Falcons, and 32 right back where we started, the Chicago Bears. So I've done a lot of talking been almost an hour and a half at this point i hope all of you who have listened enjoyed this the first real football episode because obviously the first episode was just an introduction so that was a lot that was a lot of talking i hope you guys enjoyed that um i'll be back with some new episodes sooner rather than later in the coming days and yeah we'll see what those new episodes are hope you guys enjoyed this See you later. Thanks for listening.